Today we're talking about AI for video games. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to the 26th episode of the Game Dev Field Guide. I am your host, Zachavelli. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Zachavelli underscore. And we also have an open Discord for the community. Um, I'll leave the link in the show notes. We also host a monthly game jam. Um, This month's theme is Making with the Modifier of Kid Friendly. I myself am actually participating this month. I'm making a uh, a kart racer uh, inspired by a game I used to play a lot as a little kid called Lego Racers on the Nintendo 64. If you played Lego Racers back in the day, um, send me a tweet or message me on Discord because I'd love to talk about it again. Um, but yeah, I'm making a game inspired by that and it's coming along nicely. If you'd like to keep up with the monthly game jam or even participate yourself, um, you're certainly welcome to. Uh, Just jump over to the Discord and go to the monthly game jam channel. I'll also leave a link to the itch.io page where we host the game jam. That link will be in the show notes. With that, let's jump over to the game dev challenge. The game dev challenge is the part of the show where I present the audience with a prompt and they go on to the Discord and respond to the prompt. It's usually something like uh, design a game feature or draw some game art, maybe write a backstory for a villain. Last episode was a uh, one of two choices, and you could pick one or both. Um, it was either sketch out and present a video game plot structured in a three-act structure, or design a core game loop and describe each step and the purpose of it in the bigger cycle. And the winner of the episode 25 Game Dev Challenge is Noodles in Stasis, and they chose um, to present a video game plot structured in the three-act roller coaster style. Now, Noodles in Stasis, you know, I didn't think about this when I designed this Game Dev Challenge, but Noodles in Stasis wrote like literally a three-act thing, which is way too long to read on the podcast, so I'm not sure why... Didn't put those two things together. So, so yeah, I kind of want to encourage you just to go onto the Discord and read it for yourself. But a sort of a quick summary. Um, in Act 1, you're in a room with an old man. He looks at your bandaged hands and he looks up and says, I forgive you, and the scene fades out. Sort of a uh, how we talked about last week about starting off with an interesting hook. You can see in this case, um, it's a little bit of maybe foreshadowing or a, a mystery why... What is this man forgiving you for? Act two, which makes up the sort of beef of the story, I guess, is about a protagonist who's on an active military uh, campaign, I guess, and is forced with lots of tough decisions, um, dealing with locals, losing friends in war, and just dealing with the stress of everyday military life. Um, In particular, losing friends is kind of the theme in this story, and it is resolved in Act 3 when the protagonist 
meets the parents of one of their friends, um, and it kind of circles back to the act one scene where an old man says, I forgive you. And it turns out that this parent is the old man, um, is the person who is forgiving you for the death of your friend. Now, of course, my summary doesn't get into depth of all the things that makes this a smart three-act structure, but I hope you can see um, the themes that are behind it and how this is structured in a how we talked about last week, about having a hook, um, kind of having a compelling body in your act two, and then in three it had a uh, resolution that resolves the mystery and the first part of the hook. So this is a nicely compact story, all fit perfectly in a three-act structure. And I think that's why it got such good reception. So yeah, congrats to Noodles and Stasis for winning the episode 25 Game Dev Challenge. For this episode's Game Dev Challenge, I want you to design and draw a finite state machine or a behavior tree for an AI you would use in one of your games. We're going to talk later about what a finite state machine behavior tree is, um, but this can be really simple, just a sketch on a piece of paper. I'll probably provide some examples in the Discord of kind of what I have in mind, but it can be really simple, like just a behavior circled with an arrow going to the next behavior. I think that'll be fine. It's going to be more about the overall design, which we will talk about in the body of the episode. So yeah, if you want to submit an idea for the episode 26 Game Dev Challenge, um, jump over to the Discord and go to the Game Dev Challenge channel. With that, let's jump over to the body of the episode. So today's episode is kind of a general overview about video game AI. And like all topics I do, this won't be exhaustive. Probably revisit AI a few times in the future and future episodes. But this hopefully will just be like a sort of overview or starter or something to just get your feet wet and it's going to give you enough information where you'll be able to figure out maybe a way that you want to implement AI for one of your games. So today we're going to talk about some methods of implementing AI um, and we're also going to later talk about uh, general design philosophies when it comes to the actual AI. So let's start with some AI methods. Today I want to talk about three different ways of inf- implementing AI into your games. The three different AI systems I want to talk about are the finite state machines, behavior trees, and machine learning. And I want to start off with a sort of disclaimer. Um, I've only ever had a lot of experience with finite state machines. My monthly game jam game actually is my first attempt at machine learning, and uh, I've never had the need to do a behavior tree And we'll talk about why that is um, later in this episode. But I will provide some links I used um, for research to sort of fill my gaps in knowledge um, in the show notes. And yeah, I'd really recommend you to check them out if any part of this episode interests you because these are some really good videos. So like I said, my goal is just to give you a baseline understanding um, so that you can decide what's best for your game. So first, let's talk about a finite state machine. A finite state machine, or abbreviated as FSM, is a system where an agent, let's just think about it as an enemy for now, will cycle between a few different states based on the inputs it received. When I say states, I just mean you can think of those as behaviors. 
or things that the enemy is doing. And inputs can really be anything, but they determine what which state an agent will cycle to next. So if you think about states, like if you were to draw this, you would draw your behaviors in little circles or states in little circles, and then you would connect them with arrows that are inputs. Let's, let's talk about a practical example. Um, for example, you might have an enemy character with three states, an idle, a run, and a shoot state. The enemy by default is in the idle state, just standing there with maybe like a look around animation. Maybe it's just a guard, standing guard. When the player shoots, the enemy agent receives some kind of input, like maybe the distance a bullet is to them. If that distance is ever below a certain number, then they are transitioned to the run state. In the run state, they search for cover um, and run to cover. And once they are there, they receive a new input that puts them into a shoot state. If they shoot and kill the player, um, maybe then they receive like the player's health as an input after every shot. If that number they receive is zero, then they'll go back to the idle state or the stand guard state. So I hope you can see how those three states or behaviors can be connected with specific inputs. Let's talk about some pros and cons of finite state machines. The reason I usually structure my AI like this is because it's simple and easy to do, and it's a really good method if you only have a few behaviors or states. Realistically, for small indie games, you probably aren't going to need that complex of behaviors out of your AI. Most enemies I make rarely have more than three states. This is usually something like an idle, a move, and an attack state. The strength of finite state machines are their simplicity. Or I guess it's better to say they're strong when the behaviors are simple, or the overall AI is simple. FSM becomes quite labor-intensive when you start to need more complex behaviors. With lots of states, it can be quite labor-intensive to hard-code everything and have, like, if you had 12 different states, then you need inputs to jump in between all of them. And you can see how this could start to become, like, an extremely complex web of states and inputs. And that's the main problem with finite state machines is that they don't scale well. And also it can be difficult to have a state for every situation that the agent might be in particularly when you need a deeper, more realistic AI. This is why the next method we're going to talk about, behavior trees, has become more popular for AAA games. You can think of, be of a behavior tree kind of like a flowchart that goes from a decision node to decision node until it arrives at a behavior that the agent should be doing. It goes through this decision path at a tick rate similar to a physics engine. It's structured kind of like a tree's root system, which is where it gets its name from. Um, and the first node at sort of the top of the root system is called the root. It then moves down the decision pass until it arrives at a behavior. So you can think about like roots do, it comes down to a decision node and then forks and splits into multiple paths. And then it goes to the next, each of those have a decision node and it forks and splits again. And eventually it arrives at a behavior. And remember, it's going through this tree at the tick rate that we talked about before. Because of this structure, it's a bit more flexible and easy to work with than a finite state machine system. Let's use our example before to think about this. 
We have an enemy, and at each tick, it is going through the behavior tree. It might go something like, can I see the player? No. Next node. Am I being shot at? No. Next node. And then eventually the last node that you land on is the idle behavior. Let's say for the next 10 ticks, um, they're all the same, but then the player shoots from a hidden position. On this tick, the tree goes, can I see the player? No. Next node. Am I being shot at? Yes. And that's where the path forks and goes to the next node that says run to cover. Once in cover, the path then leads to um, the shoot behavior. You can see that like, okay, now can I see the player? And then maybe it says yes. And then you say, are they close enough to shoot? Or you can see the decisions. And eventually it ends up at the shoot behavior. Maybe if the player was really close, it would, instead of end up at the shoot behavior, it'd end up at a, some kind of melee attack. Behavior trees are nice because you can clearly see and design how the agent will arrive at a behavior. Unlike finite state machines where each state must be connected with an input to another state, behavior trees arrive to new behaviors a little more dynamically. When you have lots of states or behaviors, it's much easier to organize and design a flexible AI in the behavior tree style. But I would say unless a very dynamic and intelligent AI is a core feature for your game, a finite state machine is probably a better fit for your small indie project. You could use a behavior tree for like a three behavior system, but with that few behaviors you're kind of missing the strength of using a behavior tree. And this is why, as I alluded to before, why I've never set up a behavior tree, um, and probably why AAA studios prefer them. Most of my games have simple enemy AI that is only maybe an attack, idle, and move pattern. So with only three behaviors, the strength of behavior tree is kind of lost on my projects, and a finite state machine works just fine. Meanwhile, AAA games are pretty focused on realism, um, so they need behavior trees because they can take advantage of a more flexible system, and the, the amount of behaviors that their agents can do is a lot more deep and numerous. The third way of implementing AI to your game is something I wanted to briefly talk about, um, and that's machine learning. Now, machine learning is a very deep topic. Um, I'll admit a lot of it goes over my head, and it's much larger than the world of video games. So we aren't going to get super deep into it, maybe another time when I've had more experience with it, because like I said, I'm currently implementing machine learning into my monthly game jam game. Specifically, I'm using ML agents for Unity, and I'm teaching my cars or carts how to drive around the racetrack. Um, so I just wanted to point out some things that I've learned so far using it. So basically, and I could be absolutely butchering this if anyone's a machine learning expert, um, come call me out on the Discord. But uh, how I understand it, basically machine learning is when an agent literally learns how to play the game through brute force trial and error. You tell the agent the controls it has available. Um, for example, in my game, uh, we have controls for accelerating, braking, and the steering. You g maybe give it some other information, like its distance from the next checkpoint and where the walls are, and it literally tries a ton of different accelerate, brake, and turn combinations until it starts to make progress. And once it makes progress, you positively reinforce the right combinations with rewards. I do that in my uh, racetrack system by having whenever a cart passes a checkpoint, um, the agent gets a reward. And they get a bigger reward if they reach the next checkpoint faster. 
they also get negative rewards for doing something like going backwards or crashing into a wall. When I say going backwards, I mean driving forward, going backwards around the track. Sooner or later, the agent figures out a sort of optimum button combination uh, to get around the track for the highest reward. I'm working on right now introducing elements of randomness um, so that it can learn to react to the environment around it. This would be things like moving obstacles in other cars. I have found in my experimenting that you have to be really careful about what you do or don't reward as you might positively reinforce bad behavior. For instance, in my test prototype, there was no difference between the forward and reverse max speed. So some of the agents learned to drive the track in reverse uh, because it didn't make a difference in speed. And speed was the only thing I was rewarding. If I didn't reward fast track times, then the agents would just drive really slow to reduce the chance of hitting a wall. It's stuff like that that you really got to think about or you might end up with unexpected results and behaviors. Machine learning can make the AI feel like it's kind of more alive and more realistic, but we can do that with other tools as well. You might see in some games where the game advertises that like the NPCs have a life and a job, and that they do it regardless of the player. This gives the AI a deeper feel, even though all they're really doing is cycling between behaviors like we talked about before. If, let's put it in a finite state machine, for instance, maybe they have a thing that says, like, walk to the store. <laughs> and then the input is uh, they spend some money, and now they're going to go back home and go to bed. Really, it's not that complex as maybe the marketing would sell it to you, but it's in the context of the world that the game is in that it just makes the AI feel a little bit more realistic. The whole point of this is that you can use world building and narrative tools to make your AI feel a little bit more alive. One of my favorite examples um, of this is in Halo, where when the other Marines see you, they like shout in joy, or they're in awe of Master Chief, or you kill an enemy and they high-five in each other and stuff. This basically has no game function, but it's a nice little touch that makes the AI Marines feel a lot more alive. Lastly, I just want to talk about what, like generally, what a good AI is. A good AI to me is not an AI that plays the game perfectly. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of beginners actually fall into. It's actually easiest to make an AI that plays a game perfectly, but it's the least fun to play against. If you think about it, it's not very fun to play a game where the enemy can line up a headshot in superhuman milliseconds and kill you before you even get a chance. In that example specifically, um, you should introduce an element of randomness to the AI shot uh, to make the game more fun. This gives the player a fighting chance, and better yet, you could program it so that the AI always misses the first shot. This would alleviate the frustration of getting headshotted and losing to like a superhuman reflexes, but it also serves the player in them having fun. That's because it's fun to win, and I'll probably make a whole episode on this at some point, but it's usually good practice to help your player win in kind of unseen or things in the background. A good example of that is just how I said, have your AI miss their first shot because it kind of alerts the player to their position but also adds like an element of danger. Be careful though, because you have to strike a balance between helping your player 
and not providing a challenge. By that I mean if you help your player win too much, then the game doesn't really provide a challenge and becomes boring rather quickly. Let's think about this in the lens of AI design. You might think that, well, in order to not have an AI that plays a game perfectly, I'll just have a random outcome, and we'll just have the AI decide to do everything randomly. The problem with this is that it leads to really dumb AI that does not really provide a challenge and is totally chaotic and does not behave rationally. So the key isn't the extreme opposite of perfection either. The key is making an AI that is not perfect but fails in a human-like way. This means that sometimes it'll make the most optimal decision and sometimes it'll make a mistake. The best video game AI to me, provides a challenge to the player, but is beatable. And I think the very best quote that could sum up everything that I just said comes from a developer named Soren Johnson. And Soren was the lead designer on some of the Civilization games, I think, 3 and 4. He was at least the lead AI designer. And at the GDC conference, Soren said that the job of the AI is to just barely lose. And to me, that is the perfect summary of what a good AI looks like. So let's summarize everything we talked about. Remember that we talked about three ways to implement AI into your game. We talked about finite state machines, behavior trees, and machine learning. Finite state machines are really just a way of cycling through behaviors, um, specific things that your agents or enemies or NPCs are doing, and you cycle in between them by having inputs that decide when a state moves to another. This could be something like having an input that is the bullet distance to an enemy and the enemy runs when that bullet becomes less than a certain distance that you want them to maybe hear the gunshot. Of course, if the bullet distance is zero, that means they got shot and maybe you want a different state for that. Finite state machines are pretty simple um, and work well for agents that only have a few behaviors. Remember though that finite state machines start to get hard to work with when you need something with really deep um, and complex behaviors, specifically things with lots of different kinds of behaviors. Behavior trees, on the other hand, work more like a decision flowchart and operate on a tick rate. Each behavior is kind of at the end of the tree root system and every tick rate it lands on a behavior based on the decisions it made higher up in the tree. Behavior trees are really flexible and really dynamic because you can use these decision nodes to really make your AI think like on the fly. And they work great for organizing deep and complex AIs that have lots of behaviors. For most small indie projects though, I don't think a behavior tree is really that useful and that's just because behavior trees power is really in deep and complex AI and for most indie games the AI is actually pretty simple and a finite state machine does just fine. Lastly you have machine learning which if you'll remember is where a agent literally learns how to play the game um, through brute force and trial and error by using the combinations of the controls. Remember that you want to make sure that you're rewarding the right kinds of behaviors and combinations of controls. And you really got to think about them because sometimes it can have really unexpected results. 
machine learning does a really good job at making the AI feel like it's like actually thinking, but you can also humanize your AI with other tools like world building and narrative design. Suddenly an AI that's just going from walking around in a courtyard maybe is walking around and buying things in a marketplace. That little touch just makes it feel like it's a little bit more alive. Remember that it's easiest to make an AI that plays a game perfectly, but you almost never want an AI that plays a game perfectly. That's just because it's not fun to play against a AI that is superhuman, an AI that never makes a mistake. You might think that the way to correct this is to just make the outcome of your AI's decisions totally random. And while that can be more fun than an AI that plays the game perfectly, it also leads to really dumb AI that kind of outstays its welcome pretty fast and becomes pretty boring. The best AI is an AI that sometimes plays perfectly, but sometimes makes mistakes, and those mistakes are human and rational. Soren Johnson said it best when he said, The job of the AI is to just barely lose. And I think that is the perfect summary of what makes a good AI. So with that, I'm going to end the episode. Next episode will be a quick tips episode. I haven't really decided the topics yet. I purposely made it a quick tips episode because I am totally stuck in on the monthly game jam. And I kind of feel like uh, I always struggle with the scope management. I think every developer does. And I, at the beginning of the month, I was like, yeah, I'll have enough time to make all this kart racing ideas and then now you know we're almost halfway through the month and I've got a lot of work to do so yeah that kind of explains the quicker episodes this month um I hope this one I think this one was still jam-packed with information and the next one definitely will be too um remember if you ever want to get a hold of me I'm on twitter and instagram at underscore zachavelli underscore the discord is also a really good place to find me I have an open invite link in the show notes if you want to join the monthly game jam, I would strongly encourage you to do so. I'm doing it right now, and it's I'm having a blast. All you need to do to join is to jump on the itch.io page and press join, um, and maybe come over to the Discord, and we have a monthly game jam channel where we talk about the topic and our progress and all that good stuff. So yeah, come check it out. With that, I'm going to sign off. I have been Zachavelli. And is it me, or does the AI for Gandhi in Civ 4, like, way too happy with the nukes? It's not very <laughs> Gandhi-like.